Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another episode of Merkaba chakras podcast if you're interested in the art of self-healing as a superpower for yourself and even to help those that you love then listen on because today i interview dr karen khan and dr karen graduated from the university of ottawa school of medicine in canada and she became board certified in family medicine in both Canada and in the USA. She practiced medicine in New York and California and was an assistant professor at Santa Monica UCLA Family Residency Program. After retiring from her medical practice, she founded the Topakan Healing Method and the Academy of Light Medicine. She is a best-selling author of Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, a Holistic Approach, which was featured on Biography TV and PBS's Discoveries in Alternate Medicine. Now her newest book is Sensitivity is Your Superpower is being released just in time for Christmas on December 10th of this year, 2020. So Dr. Karen, welcome to Merkaba Chakras. Let's talk about light healing. Thank you, Vaughn. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And this is uh, so great, a wonderful opportunity. And I really appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you as well. And thank you for gifting us your presence. Um, We were were talking a little bit earlier before we started the recording. the fun thing is one of your teachers is Kuan Yen and she is one of my teachers as well. So we have a little bit of the, the um, high vibe female Buddha energy going on here, but you have a couple other teachers as well. So that's going to go right into the very first question that I have for you. So before we start digging into your newest book that is coming out soon for everyone and all the wonderful offerings that you have, can you tell us your story for how you got into this work in the first place? And I'm assuming some of those master teachers had a, had a part in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, I think like so many other who we call spiritual teachers or light medicine teachers, um, many of us have had to go through what is often referred to as the dark night of the soul. So that means going through some sort of trauma or loss um, in order for us to wake up. And I think 
um, for humans, sometimes that's absolutely necessary. And for me, it was absolutely necessary because I was, you know, near the top, you know, the top 10% of my medical school class. I was very ambitious and had worked at UCLA and, you know, was in um, underserved clinics since I graduated, um, helping the uh, poor and underprivileged people. So I never really had a cushy practice per se. Um, and I just worked, 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 worked. And I loved what I did, but I was trying to be everything to everyone. Um, and then through a variety of circumstances, I ended up getting pretty sick. Um, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, autoimmune disease, multiple chemical sensitivities, even depression, anxiety, and was even suicidal. And at that point, um, I really wanted to, to, to end it all. I was so miserable and I was in a, a marriage that I wasn't happy in, but I was trying to make it happy. <laughs> and um, uh, because of my own illness, um, I got to the point where I had to decide, do I want to live or do I want to die? And as I'm sobbing myself to sleep one night of many, many nights back then, um, I heard a little voice and it sounded like my voice, but it might've been Kuan Yin. It might've been one of my other guides. But at that time, I wasn't really familiar with this whole guidance thing. So I just heard a voice that sounded like mine and it said, you know, you have a choice. And immediately I resisted the voice <laughs> and I'm still crying, you know, quietly in bed, trying not to wake up my husband. Uh, and I was like, you know, and all this kind of stuff, but it was very persistent and it said, no, you have a choice, but it was very compassionate in its persistence, not pushy, not telling me what to do, nothing like that. So I kind of thought about it. And then um, I ended up being open to the possibility that, okay, maybe I do have a choice. And that just, that opening uh, helped me connect with the right teachers, the right books, the right workshops, you know, where I started learning from uh, human uh, teachers, because I wasn't at that point open to non-human teachers yet, um, to get familiar with this. Because I was a medically trained, you know, Western trained doctor. So it, even though I was into acupuncture and things like that, I still was pretty closed off when it came to like spirit and things like that. But thanks to my illness, that was the way that spirit got my attention. I call it the proverbial angelic two by four. So sometimes when we're on the wrong path, which I was um, trying to do everything for everyone, thinking that was my job to, to sacrifice myself, the angels and our my guide team would be like, knock, 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 knock. Stop hearing them that way, right? Knock, 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 knock. Larder, and all these signs that I completely missed, didn't catch up at all. And just kept working, working, working. And then finally, I was just going a mile a minute. And, and, and the guy team was like, okay, bring out the two by four. <laughs> like, wow. And I'm saying this very, you know, compassionately. But it was like, angelic two by four, you know. So I got really sick really fast. Um, and then I had to slow down. So in healing myself and realizing that I was attracting, quote unquote, the right trainings, teaching, learning about um, you know, energy medicine, learning about Reiki, learning about supplements and, and diet, and of course, my unhappy marriage, and then uh, ending up uh, in a divorce, which I was the last thing I wanted, but it absolutely what, what the prescription was, because it was down the wrong path that I kept trying to push my way. And so through that healing, I was able to realize that there were so many other people like me who are doing things they don't really want to do, but think they have to do it 
And that's where the first book came out years later, um, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, a Holistic Approach, because it really was my story of how I healed fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, and all these other things, but also using the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual approach to healing, not just physical, like so many people think, you know, these days. Um, and then this new book, The uh, Sensitivities or Superpower, uh, is a book really about, you know, how does one who is highly sensitive like I am, um, and that's one of the reasons I, my body broke down so easily was because I was taking on and feeling emotions and energies of others and not really knowing what to do with it. And I don't even know that there was theirs. I just, I, I could sometimes feel like it was not my emotion, but I really didn't have any skills. And uh, what I realized is I kept meeting more and more people who were sensitive souls having similar symptoms, autoimmunity, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, and then realize, wow, we have things in common. We've always been sensitive since childhood. So this book is all about turning that sensitivity into a superpower because it's actually a gift. We just don't know how to use it. That's why it feels like a curse. Uh, but this book is, is really like my, my real book of passion because I just absolutely love helping highly sensitive people harness those gifts as a superpower so they can live a life of joy, they can heal themselves, um, and they can fulfill their mission. Right, right. And that's, yeah, lots of really good stuff. And there are a lot, well, one of the most common six senses as people get further into their spiritual journey is the the journey of the empath because you become one with consciousness and consciousness becomes one of you. So there isn't very many psychic boundaries between you and other people but obviously we have an ego we have our own identity so we're going to have our own experience so the challenge is to try to create some kind of boundary so that you can still be conscious and connected but at the same time um have some respectful boundaries so that you have a enjoyable individual experience so that is a that is a unique um journey that humans have um because we're not the borg <laughs> You know, if you oh, watch Star Trek, <laughs> I know I grew up with Star Trek too and stuff, and Hugh was the individual in the Borg, and he practically almost killed the Borg because they didn't know how to become individuals and have ego. But um, but we're not them. We are individual beings. However, we are connected to the field. So before we get into that, I want to kind of, you said some things about um, your your journey to this work that was, that kind of made me have some more questions. So for people who are, you know, um, in the dark or in the closet about their spiritual work or their spiritual interest in these six senses and in these what they call like esoteric metaphysical topics, um, they're trying to live kind of the normal life in their corporate career in the medical field and have a respectable um you know, reputation about being seen as the whack job. And then also kind of teetering, like, I don't want to go too far into like the psychic fairies and then like not be able to come back into centers. So for people, and I, I completely get that. I toggle between both worlds too. This is my metaphysical stuff. Love it. Um, at the same time, I, I work in IT. I do um, write professional books, et cetera. So I do that balance. I understand that balance, but for you, why was it so 
what is the fear in crossing over and bridging those two sides of yourself? What's the fear? Because you said for a very long time you were holding back, holding back, trying not to acknowledge these um, intuitive guides that were trying to kind of get your attention that you're on the wrong path. So what was the fear that held you back so long? I think this is a really common fear among us highly sensitive people because since the get-go, since we're really young, oftentimes we hear things like, oh, don't be so sensitive. Uh, grow thicker skin, um, you know, let, let it roll down. My ex-husband used to say, now ex-husband used to say, you know, let the water run down, you know, you're back like a duck or something like that. Uh, and uh, my idioms are a little off because English is still my second language. Chinese is my first language. So sometimes I get these off, you know, and, which is really funny. Um, and uh, just by the way, even though I just divorced my husband, we have a good relationship. We don't hang out because we are different vibes now. But, uh, you know, we have a good relationship. They come over for Thanksgiving, you know, things like that. Anyway, um, so there's so many things we are trained as children to, to tell us we are not okay. We are not okay the way we are. So we have to be more normal. We have to be like this person or that person or it's some sort of vague concept of what normal is. And so we fight our natural tendencies to try to be normal. Um, my mom and I used to be made fun of by, you know, my, my dad, who is a not sensitive, although I have to say with the ascension process of the, the earth increasing her vibe, uh, even the non-sensitives are becoming sensitive. We can get back to that, back to that later. But anyway, so he would make fun of us and he would call us tofu uh, because, you know, a block of tofu is like jiggly and weak. And if you poked a hole through it, it would just all fall apart. And that was my mom and I, we would just cry at the drop of a hat, you know, there'd be some commercial on and we'd be sobbing, you know, because something, a puppy died or something, you know, whatever, you know, movies. And he's like, oh God, I can't take you people anywhere, right? <laughs> so we were kind of, I mean, it was joking, but we felt shame for that. Um, and so uh, throughout my medical career, um, I wanted very much to be um, very, very good in school, high marks, you know, that left brain ego part, you know, getting A pluses, being the top 10% of my class, you know, getting this award, that award, because there was a part of me that felt I was not okay. And it wasn't until I got sick and started healing myself, because I had no other choice, I could either be continue being partially disabled, like 90 or something percent of people with my diagnoses are and still, you know, don't know how to get out of it. Or I could be in that five or 10% who actually heal and I decided to be in that space. So that, at that point, then I was like, I had to give up some of these old beliefs that I had, these old fears that I wasn't gonna be good enough and that I had to prove that I was, you know, whatever, hardworking or worthy or whatever, and just realize that, you know, source God loves me as I am. I don't have to prove anything to anyone. And I'm here just having an experience and I'm evolving and everyone is loved the same way. And that was just so healing for me uh, because like you said, there are fears and there's fears about what's my colleagues gonna say, right? I actually wrote about that in the Navigating the Clickety Clack, How to Stay Peace-Filled in a Seemingly Toxic World. So that's a, one of the number one best-selling international books that just got released recently. And it was like, <clears throat> you know, um, yeah, like, you know, some of my holistic colleagues are literally being like, their licenses being pulled. Um, now, I don't tend to say negative things about, uh, you know, um, vaccines or you sh that everyone should not take them, or I don't tell people don't get chemo. You know, I mean, see, these are some of the things that are a little bit dicey 
to say publicly. Uh, it's not my area of expertise. Um, so I don't, you know, bring up the ire, if you will, of the powers that be because I'm not fighting them. You know, I am pro-choice, not pro, you know, everything has to be natural. Right, so, right. Um, yeah, so there's a balance. True. There's like a balance. Obviously, if, you're, if your foot is cut off and you need amputation or if you need like an actual surgery, you want to go see the doctor, you know, so there's a... There are benefits to all types of medicine and everyone has to make their individual choice. So even when my dad, you know, decided to get surgery for cataracts and I'm like, hey, why don't you try this patch? Why don't you try these carnitine drops just for three months? He goes, no, no, no. The doctor said I need surgery, so I'm going to get surgery, right? And he did have a funky, you know, complication, but, you know, you know, scratch up the car a bit, you know, but he was, he was fine and eventually it healed. But I just, I mean, there's no point in me trying to force someone Uh, my opinion on what I think they should do. I did plenty of that in my undergrad and all through medical school. My, my, my family was just tired of being told what to do. And finally, when I just let go of that, because I got sick myself, I didn't have time for them. (laughs) Right. It happens. Um, It happens like that, you know, and a lot of people, when they get like cancer, for example, there's so many stories of, and I know plenty of cancer survivors as well, that uh, it's the silver lining is that it did make them address things that were causing toxicity in their life and stress and anxiety in their life that they just like let build up and build up and build up and it is like the the body just you know doing a complete you know break on you and forcing you to deal with it but they came out of it they came out of it um much more positive and um much more their lifestyle is much more simplified so it you know illness as scary as it is going into it, coming out of it, many people who survive it um, say it, it is kind of their saving grace, just like you're saying. So now let me ask you this um, about the other thing that, I, that, that struck me about your story for how you came into this work is you were hearing, um, you were hearing intuitive voices from, you say, your your teacher on the other side, Kuan Yin, and I think you said you, Raphael and Michael were some of, many of these ones work in the healing space, but um, how, how does one know that they are getting actual guidance from their teachers on the other side, or they're going, woohoo, <laughs> you know, how do they know? Because you see people walking around um, talking to themselves on the streets, and is it, what is it, you know? Can you explain that, well, honestly, how you know Claire, the difference? Yeah, Claire, audience, which is the ability to hear on a different plane, uh, other than, you know, physical people talking to you, is not my strong suit. <laughs> um, clairvoyance and clairsentience uh, is more. Um, now, clairvoyance, not even outer clairvoyance, I'm talking about inner clairvoyance. So my inner sight is much, much stronger than my outer sight. And in fact, I wear really thick glasses and have contacts on right now. So. <laughs> Um, my husband, on the other hand, uh, has 20-20 vision, and he actually is able to physically see in the outside world um, shadows that are, you know, can be, you know, demons or ghosts or, you know, different things like that. Um, I feel it through my body, so that's what the clairsentience. <clears throat> and in actually in the sensitivities or superpower book, which uh, people through an exercise that I call stellum, stillness through observing internal movement, and it is like Meditation for people that are too busy to meditate, me. So <laughs> it's a technique that uses that natural ability to feel stuff because a lot of sensitive people are very clairsentient and they feel stuff in their body. It's just overwhelming and they feel sick 
but a lot of the stuff they're feeling may not be theirs. So through this exercise that we teach you in the book, you become familiar with your own internal energies and you're just observing the movement of energies. And what's really cool is in that space, the mind shuts off. Not because you're trying to make it shut off. You know, you're just, you're just feeling and feeling and taking attention to the feeling. And what happens is that if you have intuitive guidance, at least this is what my experience is, from whether it be Kuan Yin or Raphael or Archangel Michael, or uh, you know, I have quite a bit from alien uh, light beings, um, it'll just drop in as a thought or a picture for me, sometimes a word, and then I run with it. So I've kind of gotten used to it. So the, the stillness part is really important. And um, some people go, oh, my mind's never still. I'm like, you know what? If you're feeling your body, um, then you will have these openings where your mind is still because you're so busy feeling your body. <laughs> and so that's what I like to teach in my workshops is that number one skill is how to be here, how to be fully embodied, how to feel the frequency in the body. And we have people rub their hands, close their eyes and feel the energy. And that's how we quickly get them to, to do that. Um, so that's the step. The first step really is to, in order to hear or connect with the guidance is to be able to be still because it's not like they're not talking to you, you know, it's like, yeah. and yeah. sometimes we're just waiting for orders or waiting for a question. Hey, help me with this. And they're like, Oh, thank God. Yeah. 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 yeah I found, yeah, I found I, 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 with my experience of working with the energies of, um, of consciousness, of angels, of other side, of your teachers, whatever you want to call them, of yourself, your higher self, whatever. Um, it's like following the path of synchronicity. So, um, you know, like for me, I, when I am working on something, I always say, okay, I, ha I need to have my space, respect my space. So if you want to say something, say it in a dream. So I will have dreams. Do you have this? Do you have dreams with your guides where you're like talking about something or you'll have a dream of being in the classroom, learning a new technique or learning um, something that uh, they want to teach you or whatever. Um, so I, I'm, I'm open to dream experience, lucid dreaming, or I'm also open to um, things being presented to you. So let's say like a book will fall off or somebody will mention something exactly answering the question. You're like, and, and then they'll ask them, they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, but something just came right. out. So yes. yeah, it's synchronicity. So that sounds a lot like synchronicity. So when you're, when somebody is kind of getting into the space of tuning into the energies of their higher self or their teachers, um, typically it will come through the form of synchronicities. So it's not really like somebody telling me what to do. Usually there's some choice on, you know, they present yeah. you options. They present you ideas in some way externally, or maybe as an image or as a thought or as a voice or in your dream. There's a lot of different ways, but it's typically, there's a choice. It's not a demand. There's like a choice. Like here is, yeah, it's like an invitation. here's an option. It's like an invitation. Okay, so you hear that, everybody? So you, when you think you're going crazy, that's the difference. That's the difference. It's a choice. Um, so that's you know, I mean, that being said, uh, there's certainly, and I'm sure you've met them as well, um, people who have a sudden, what they consider sudden awakening. So they went from not necessarily being connected to their gifts to all of a sudden. I know there was. 
uh, one guy, I can't remember the name of the movie, but he was on Oprah, where suddenly he could see ghosts and demons and aliens and like literally overnight, right? So that's, that's rare, but that can happen. Um, I think, uh, you know, other people that have sudden awakenings, like uh, Byron Katie was one of them, Eckhart Tolle was another, where like Byron Katie is like literally on, you know, a halfway house floor, like drunk, you know, and the next day she's enlightened, you know, or that's the way it sounded like from, from the book. So some people do have this sudden awakening and it can be really uncomfortable because it is possible for them suddenly to see stuff they never saw before, hear a bunch of stuff that a 26 year old that, that happened to and their parents didn't really know what to do with her. She went to a specific yoga um, that opened up the, you know, the seventh chakra. And during that time she started seeing stuff. And unfortunately the teachers that, you know, taught her how to open her seventh chakra didn't know what to do with her. So she was like lost because everyone thought she was nuts that she could see demons and, you know, hear all these voices and all this kind of stuff. And they put her on medication. I mean, her parents were trying the best they could. They didn't want her on medication, but she wasn't really functioning. And right. finally, when she came to see me in the clinic, I said, and, and the thing is, is that when you're in the space of stillness, then you can use other skill sets. Like I use something right. called fine muscle testing. So I can actually check what's real, quote unquote, real and what isn't real. And in her case, it was absolutely real. Everything that she was seeing was real. She was just able to see it and the rest of us could not. Right, right. And that, that, that could be part of the, um, the, the pre-life plan. Some people want a kind of slow buildup. Some people want the crash course. <laughs> you know, the, it, it could be part of the, the, the pre-life plan for how they were going to have, or they, some people want to have the living light scared out of them. <laughs> so, I've had those where they had the living daylight scared out of them and it woke them up fast. Um, so that's, that's always, that's always, that, that's, that's a whole funny element of just everybody's different stories for how they came into um into this experience. Now, one of the common blocks and obstacles that prevent people from being healthy and vibrant, including are setting boundaries from low vibe entities. And I know you mentioned, you know, different people will start seeing ghosts or start seeing these demonic figures and everything else. Um, can you explain um, low vibe entities? Because some people don't get them like I don't get them I literally wake the light out of them so <laughs> I'm like the worst person to bring to a a, 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 a true haunted house or ghost explorer experience because I ruin it for everyone <laughs> so I I'm, I usually just I'm usually at the bar drinking while they're having their experience so they can actually have their experience Right, right. Let them be there so they can have their yeah. Let them be because and I've 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 had my fair share of haunted hotels that nobody told told about. And um, here in the Seattle area, we have a lot of, of old hotels, and I would stay at some of these, and I would have those experiences, and then literally they're like, "Oh, you had that that haunted experience," and I'm like I explained to them, they're like, "Oh my goodness, it came back," but then afterward, they never had the occurrence again. So, you know, so some people they just don't get these experiences or if they do come across it, literally their presence shines the light out of these entities. So can you explain what low vibe entities are for, for people and how do you create boundaries from these if people who do perceive them? How do they create boundaries with that? 
Right. So um, when we're talking about low vibrational entities, or at least when I'm talking about them, what we're talking about are spirits. So those that are not incarnated into a human three-dimensional or alien three-dimensional form. So they're spirits, but they happen to be uh, low vibrational spirits. So not as aligned with um, what we call divine love, light, and truth. Um, so I have a scoring system called the light score. And um, the light score, the higher the score is close to 100%, the more aligned um, love, light, and truth uh, someone is or someone, something to divine love, light, and truth. So there's a light score, truth score, love score, but the light score is usually the handy one that we use. So entities generally have a light score of 30% or less. And there are many other entities um, besides uh, ghosts, demons, and dark angels um, that are um, in our universe, at least, uh, some are called uh, uh, dark watchers. So they, they don't intervene, but they watch and report back to their uh, superiors. We have uh, what one of my teachers used to call, physical human teachers, Tamara used to call monkey demons. Um, and they are like, to her, they're little furry guys and they love to create stress. So they love messing up your computer and getting people into arguments and things like that and messing up your internet. <laughs> um, and then we have, uh, you know, some of the other ones that um, I found out about later, uh, which there was no one that had described it before. But, um, you know, when I asked her specifically, you know, what it was, it was not any of the above. It wasn't the dark angel. It wasn't, you know, you know, that kind of thing wasn't a lower realm, which is more like an animal type uh, entity. So they were darkness of the dark, pseudo light and darkness masked in light. So these don't necessarily have a form per se, they tend to be formless and they have like hive minds of their own. Um, so there's different ways of healing them. And what we, with the light score, we can usually tell if someone is susceptible to entity or entity attachments. Um, another colleague of mine, Jenny Noh, who's an expert in entity clearing as well, um, discovered that uh, when someone has and maintains a light score of 90 and above, they're untouchable. So they basically can't have any inner, uh, entities attached to them. Now they might be able to feel or sense them because they're empathic, you know, and sensitive, they can feel, but they can't be attached by them and they can't be attached by them. So anyone that maintains 90 and above, which is actually very few healers. Let me uh, ask you a question about the scoring system real quick. Mm-hmm. What are you using on the school? Are you using the map of consciousness? Are you using your own? Um... Yeah, this is my own that uh, I just asked a question with source and just, it says, what can we do? Like, so how? what's the scale? Is it, so it's starting at zero, is zero, zero to a hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when I first started and Jenny and I were, you know, doing this work together and, uh, kind of powwowing about what we we're finding in each other's practices, um, what we were finding is that the majority of highly conscious people, uh, who want to be highly conscious were running about in the seventies. So they are still, um, susceptible to entity attachments to their field. Um, and then uh, even really, uh, really talented healers and mediums would still be in the 70s, but higher. Why is that? Why, are, why have they not gotten to the higher energy levels? Well, I think they're doing the work, but there are some things that are missing, just pieces. You know, pieces like what, what are, pieces are missing? Do you, oh have you identified them? A whole bunch of things. Oh, okay. Ultimate <laughs> <laughs> stuff. You know, it could be inherited stuff that they're not aware of. It could be stuff in their home. I mean, there's all sorts of things. Um, but more and more and more, that true truth and authenticity is really important. So even, I'm not going to name names here, 
um, but even very, very famous spiritual teachers, um, they, I can see how it's, some of the things have been distorted over time where they started out as pure and they uh, intended to be pure, but then the lure of the ego uh, took them over and money took them over. And uh, so now they're kind of like towing the party line or, you know, some of the things that they share on Instagram or Facebook is to me highly questionable <laughs> whether, you know, that that is a high, you know, light score. So um, unfortunately, uh, there are some healers, obviously, that are higher in the 80s, but less and there's even less over 90. So I would say uh, most, if not all the famous you know, healers and mediums out there that everyone, you know, is reading their books and all that kind of stuff. Most of them do not fall above that 90. And it's not like an ego thing. Oh, I'm so great. I'm over 90. It's really, there's certain types of work that one does, which is constantly questioning your beliefs and constantly questioning and being open to all realities and perceptions. And then making some, like you were saying before, making some choices. So, um, and what is totally aligned with love? Sometimes it's, there's a false love. And, and I, sometimes I get a, a little bit upset, at least for a short period of time, when I realize that such and such a yoga teacher and then such an, another yoga teacher and another, you know, they had sex slaves and they had, you know, John of God, you know, and they, you know, I did name that name because that's in the public eye, you know, uh, that they had sex slaves and they had, you know, uh, you know, pedophilia or all the kind of stuff that comes out, you know, now that we're in the age of transparency, it's coming out. And it's so silly, but at the same time, um, yeah, it happens. It happens. Yeah, so yeah. It it yeah. It's unfortunate when um, certain teachers fall from grace, but that is the experience that they are having, and that is the experience that they get to transcend at some point in their creation. So. You know, it's it's that is their journey, and I'm, I find that fascinating as well. I was like, hmm. Well, I find more fascinating is not necessarily the the people who fall from grace; it's the people who will continue to follow them. Mm. That's yeah, what I find more fascinating. Um, well, I mean, because there's, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stories of different pastors and different churches that are, you know, abusing their practitioners in different ways, and yet they still have a huge following, and that's what I find the most fascinating. Not yeah, that, not is. that, yeah, that's what I find the most fascinating, not that a, um, a wolf in sheep's clothing has been revealed, but that you're still going to follow it afterwards. And that's really telling of a society that, or, uh, that's following them, that's very wounded, that even yeah. after that, they will still go back for the abuse. So that's what I find. That's like, that's, that's telling of um, the type of people that they are that they were so good at feeding into the low energy and the pain and wounds of these people that they followed or that follow them and then after it is revealed they still stay there because they attracted that and nourished that type of following so that um that that is what i find very interesting also about about those kind of cases now you know the thing is is that like um, you know, in the higher, in the higher energies, in the, the higher dimensions of like fifth dimensional awareness and higher, low energy, low entities don't exist because they're low entities. They don't exist in the higher realms. So why do, why do some people who are high vibe 
see them. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, the seeing or the clairvoyance in this place or clairsentience or whatever is really like having um, a very sensitive scanner. Mm. So, so you actually have the ability to sometimes people hear angels, sometimes see physical de demons. So you have a big scanner. So for those that have that ability, it's just an ability, you know, you right. can tune into a particular channel and hear or see things in that channel. And you can be high or low vibe, <laughs> uh, you know, a person to uh, that, that gift is not necessarily just for high vibrational people. You know, low right. vibrational people can literally be, you know, light score of 65, but still see a whole bunch of stuff. So just because people are psychic does not necessarily mean they're high vibe. Um, that's however, true. that's true. Um, when you were talking about before is like, if somebody is a uh, very high vibe, um, and when I first started, you know, the whole energy journey, um, there was one case where, and it was very early on where, uh, a skating coach, I, I figure skate. So we were at a test and the skating coach was, was actually, you know, kind of like the rumor mill kind of thing. So she was saying, Hey, you know, that kid right there who's skating. I said, yeah, I don't really know her. She goes, Oh my gosh you know, the coaches can't stand working with her. And I said, well, why? And she says, oh, she's constantly complaining. Constantly there's something wrong. She, you know, and she goes from coach to coach to coach because, you know, and people like can't stand it because she's, you know, such a pain in the butt as a student. He, she's relatively young, you know, a preteen person. And um, so since I was like, oh, well, I found, let me check her friend of these, you know, I didn't tell that to the coach necessarily, but, you know, I went and sure enough, there were demons attached to her. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I do, did a clearing. And the funny thing is, is it's almost like she knew because she, she was out there practicing before her uh, test and she looked back at the boards and gave a big smile. And my coach was like, what did you do? What did you do? Did you do something? <laughs> says, yeah, I did. She goes, oh my God, she doesn't, she doesn't smile this way, right? And so she did well in her test, she passed and everything like that. And, um, and the funny thing is to this day, um, she is like the best student. <laughs> like she will stay late after class and practice and she's out there pounding the baby. Like she is just practicing and this was not the same kid. But the funny thing is later on that day, I saw her mom in the stands. Now I just did a mini clearing of her, but I saw her mom in the stands and I got a shot of fear into my chest. And I thought, why am I afraid? Like, I was like, what's going on? So um, what it was, was mom had demons. Okay. Mm. But the thing is, I'm like, why would I be afraid of demons? But it wasn't that. What it was, was I was feeling what the demons were feeling looking at me. <laughs> I had to figure this out. But they're looking at me and they went, oh, shit. Oh, I didn't know if I could swear. The jig, the, the jig is up. The jig is yeah. up. Yeah. So yeah. they're like, oh, no, you know, but that's too late because the minute I see them, I'm like, oh, you got healed, right? So they got healed. The mom gave me a smile again. She didn't know what I'm doing, but because mm -hmm. we're like 50 feet away. Yeah. Um, but that was really interesting how about one can be empathic and high vibrational, but at the same time can feel the other and know what they're going through. Yeah, that, that pretty much answers my next question of like, if you are high vibe and you are just at your, your presence is naturally healing, because if you're high vibe, it is naturally healing. Um, your presence alone become naturally healing. So um, people can feel the energy um, of the high aura, but um, not just necessarily people, but any kind of conscious being, whether they in body or not, they can feel and sense 
one of those are coming into the building <laughs> and hide. So, but, um, but that, that goes into the question of if it comes into your present, is there like a, is it the purpose is to just clear them without asking question or do you have to ask permission? Because I found like, if you're in my space out of 8 billion people in the world that could exist in my, my presence, you're in my presence, you're asking for it. So is that like, is that like the purpose? Because I premised this because um, the Kuan Yin, the famous female Buddha, um, she, one of the main reasons in one of her stories to prevent her from crossing over into Nirvana and getting reabsorbed with the consciousness of the oversoul um, and is she really wanted to make sure that her parents um, would cross over with her. And so she really thought that her parents who were very cruel to her um, were going to reincarnate as a hungry ghost or as one of these low vibe entities. And so every single time she would come across one of these, she thought it was a reincarnation of her parents. And so she would tell them a Dharma talk and talk to them about consciousness and basically just send them to the light and make them see the, um, the error and the choices of their ways. And so oftentimes, every time somebody came across those low vibes, she would just send them to the light doing the sim- those simple methods. And she was very known for this, um, just kind of clearing up negative energy in places, clearing up um, blockages in people, clearing up like um, if she came across in negative entities. And same thing with um, Muhammad. He said his jinn are him. His jinn are a version of him. So he's just clearing out his own jinn. So like that's what like when when somebody of high vibe and they come across this, isn't it just your job to just clear it? Just do it? I mean, what, what do you think about that? Without asking permission, just do it. Well, um, I think there's different schools of thought. Um, my own personal bias or thought, if you will, is that um, generally speaking, um, uh, when it comes to entities or low vibrational entities, like we're talking about right now, they do not ask permission to interfere with human life. Exactly. So why should we ask permission to interfere with them? I don't, I don't, uh, yeah. So I don't need to ask them permission. Um, Now, if someone needs an entity, okay, for their own evolution, and I'll give you an example. There was a woman that worked at a a local store and uh, she was very seemingly high vibe. Okay. Seemingly meaning she was very bubbly and she was into chakras and jewelry and, you know, always had a smile on her face, you know, the thing was behind the scenes, not so, not so good, I found out. Um, and, um, but, you know, every time I go to the store, it'd be like, there'd be entities there. I'm like, so then I figured out it was coming and from her and yeah, somebody else, but anyway, from her. And so at this point, I kind of, I said to, you know, source, I said, look, I, I, I can't, I mean, I could clear her every single day, but it's not really what I want to spend my time with. What can we do? So we ended up, because I did not have permission to heal her and the reason she was attracting the entities, okay? And also she wasn't like believing me and, and that's fine. What I actually created was, uh, thanks to Source, uh, and great ideas from the guide team, uh, is what we call a transmutational bubble. So that's actually in, uh, I didn't, wasn't sure whether to put it in the book, but God said put it in the book, so I put it in the book. So the transmutational bubble is a bubble that actually clear and cleans the space around the person's auric field. So for example, if my auric field is like this big, 
it'll clear the space outside of that because generally speaking, I don't need permission to heal a space. I would have to have permission to heal within the auric field. Now I can heal the individual entities, but if the person's got porous boundaries and they're subtracting entities all the time, entities are going to come in, come in, come in, come in, which is what was happening to her. And they were leaking into the store. So we put a transmutational bubble around her. So the entities that were hers to deal with, okay, that I did not have permission or it was not appropriate for me to heal because she had to deal with them, no longer leaked out of her. They would stay within this shield. She would have to, she would have to deal with them. And the other entities that were coming towards her, that were attracted to her, the minute they hit that bubble, they can't see it. So they get healed. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's so, a good catch 22. Okay. Yeah. So they cannot see the, uh, that, that bubble. And so gen you, you can put a transmutational bubble just about around everyone. Um, now there are certain exceptions where it's not for their highest and greatest good because they have to evolve or learn something. So people like me uh, do have a specific role sometimes when the, the time is necessary to heal entities, but there's other people who are high vibe that it's not their role. So to answer your question, no, not all high vibe people need to even deal or heal entities. Sometimes they're bothered by entities because they can feel their stuff. And if that's the case and they do not have a role in healing them, guess what? We can make them invisible to the entities. Right. So it's a part of the healing program that I have, Topican Healing Method, where we can actually change the frequency of their or field, if you will. So they're invisible. So their high vibrational light is invisible to low vibrational entities, and the entities will just ignore them as if they're a muggle. Like, yeah, 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 you're not special. Let's go. Mm. <laughs> so who can we bug today, right? Right, right. I ignore that person, which is really helpful for kids, uh, especially if they're really high vibrational you know, young children, but are being bothered by the negative entities because the entities are like, oh, you know, and it may or may not be a problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they, they are, they, they are attracted to people who can sense them so they can play with, but um, yeah, but, but if you just, if you just, you know, one of the strategies I, I typically do if like, um, if I sense something like that, is you can always ask them to, you know, do a simple prayer, meditation, whatever you want to call it, before you go to sleep and ask them to visit you in your dreams. And they will visit you in your dreams. And then you can have a conversation and ask them, what's your problem? There's nothing here for you. Yeah, some and people have that role. Go to the um, other side. Yeah. I tend to There's not more out there for you. <laughs> I don't yeah, see them I as did... bad people. They're just misguided. Right. Misguided well, souls that got lost somewhere on the Yeah, traditionally people wheel. have talked to them, but in this day and age of speed, uh, often that, that's not my role. I generally do not talk to them. Uh, one exception, you know, with, with somebody's father, but uh, when I'm talking about demons or that, things like that, I've read so many, you know, books when I was early on working on, um, you know, entity releasement that there were so many books by these psychologists and they would have these long drawn out conversations for days or months or years in some cases with this entity trying to remove them from this person. And I was like, oh my gosh, forget it. Yeah. You're getting into an ego at conversation. Yeah, you know? it's that's like true. You're getting healed and that's the end of that. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. The person so, no longer wants second. you. Right. So sometimes you, sometimes it's a matter of just talking to the to, to the client themselves or the, the person themselves because they're holding on to typically what I found is they're holding on to it because it 
it is a way of self-punishment for traumas that they have yet to release. Um, but, you know, but if, but if you talk to, if you talk to the client or the person about consciousness and they say they no longer want this experience and they learn from it, then they can release themselves because it is a, it is a psychic contract to keep them around. It's much more helpful to, you know, uh, to do the healing on the client necessarily or the talking, you know, than than to the entity themselves. So I, I rarely talk to entities themselves. Although there was one exception, this is very, very early on, where I'm driving around, the, the window's down, my husband's driving, and, and I'm beside him in the passenger side, and I hear from the back, um, I just looked at the license plate in front of us, and it was so weird, you know, interesting, and I was like, what does that say? And then I heard a voice in the back said, blah, 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 right? So, you know, I was like, I said, wait a second, did you say that? I said to my husband, he goes, no. He says, you heard that too? <laughs> like, we look back and we're like, well, the window's open, right? Huh. Look around, there's nobody there. We're at a stop sign, nobody's there. And then I was like, okay, so I go into my divine muscle testing, I just check it out, and it's a demon. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, demons are not allowed in the backseat of my car. What the heck is going on? And in this case, the answer was the angel told me to come. <laughs> to to come? Yeah, to- the angel told me you're the one to help me. I was like, Okay. Oh, okay. Now this is years ago, right? So this was new. And so I asked, okay, well, what's going on? So there was some sort of curse or something related to the demon and a family of demons. And so it was like very, 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 very old. So I ended up releasing the curse, releasing the demon, and that was it. And I just thought, I know what it is. The angels were trying to get me to understand that, that I had a negative bias, that demons were bad you know? Right. And so instead I got to go, Oh my gosh, sometimes they don't want to be bad. You know, sometimes they, they, they've fallen off creation wheels so long. Yeah. It's been so long. They forgot who they really, right. Everything right. in creation start came from source exactly. at, at some point in their creation, they got came from source and everything comes from they source. We can judge. Yeah. It's nothing but love, but they've fallen, they've fallen off and have been removed so long from source that they completely forgot that they're an offshoot of an aspect of source and that in a blink of an eye, they can always return back. And there's a huge array of people and energies welcoming them, work with them, heal the what came between the creation and where they were now get them back on track there's a huge rehabilitation for these negative entities because they're just you know lost energies um but they you know sometimes it's fun to play the games we know people who just love playing drama head case games they just love it they they feed off of it because they they love that but then they play it so long they forgot that what one point they were actually you know, happy, healthy people. And that's the same thing. But let's get off the entities and let's go to toxic people because they usually cause the most havoc in people's lives, especially for mm-hmm. empaths and even non-empaths is toxic people, especially if they're in your family or close network, like you have to work with them or something. So how do, um, how do in this book, how do people build respectful boundaries to not let the toxicity of negative people affect them because mm-hmm. these negative people walk around beaming you can feel the rage and anger at life that they have so please address that question yeah 
Well, what's really important is for us to really know who we are and what our energies are. And so that stoem exercise we talked about earlier is really the key or foundational area where there is instant calm and peace in that space. So even if you're angry or sad um, or have a problem, you can literally bring that into the space of vibration in your body, feel it, and oftentimes the answer will come or something will shift. And what's really interesting is when we love ourselves fully, and be in that space, sometimes the narcissists, sometimes they're no longer attracted to us and so they just leave us alone. Um, no, they can't stand us. They can't yeah, stand us. I, I have people who can't stand me. They just cannot stand anything I say. I mean, they, they yeah. And that's fine because I'm not going to go down the, you know. Right. The, well, I have, a, I, I have a clearing and protection spray formula where it's energy infused water and you uh, um, turn the video on, you infuse water in a spray bottle. Uh, so it's sort of like holy water, if you will, but it has specific entity clearing and negative energy clearing vibes in it. So if you spray your space, you spray yourself in the space, that will give you at least temporarily uh, these healthy, healthier energetic boundaries. And I've had people say my, whatever, angry alcoholic husband walked out the door and thinking that was bad. And I'm like, uh, that totally makes sense. Cause the entities are like, they don't want anything near, they don't want anything near this, you know, oh, is this, is this, spray. is this spray, is this spray, this positive clearing spray, is it like causing divorces or something? It hasn't, but, um, I think that there's some people that probably should get a divorce, you know, <laughs> um, but I did hear that temporarily the person left, you know, for that day because they just couldn't be in that space. Um, and so for people who do have very angry, toxic people, <laughs> this may be a little tricky, but let's put it this way. Like we said, we don't ask uh, permission from entities to clear. So more than likely they have entities attached to them even within, within their field, not just on them. So um, I'll tell the loved one, especially if they live in the same house, to take the clearing and protection spray formula and start charging their coffee or their food or anything that has water in it uh, on a daily basis. Now, it's possible they might detox a little bit. So they might have a little bit of diarrhea, you know, <laughs> um, as, as the entities are being dislodged. Um, and uh, it can be a little bit uncomfortable. And sometimes it will take days or sometimes weeks, depending. I had one person who was like, you know, he's like, I don't know if this is working. And when I did a count, uh, the person had 76 entities. And then by the time I, uh, by the time they got on that one-on-one -on -one with me, they only had nine left. So, but that took five days you know, to get from however many to just the nine, because um, these need to release in a, an order that is safe, you know, for that person. Question so about that. Question about it. Have you ever tried to just like, because everything is connected, everything is one. Have you tried to take like, like that one case with 97 negative entities, take all the entities and collide it into one entity and then just remove one? Have you tried that? Well, we can, can you do that? When I do one-on-one -on -one stuff, we can, we can get millions of entities in an instant. But when people are using a free spray, okay, oh, they yeah, yeah. Really have my expertise, um, I, just, I just figure out after the fact, if I do see them as a client, then I can tell them what happened in the past um, and what, what's going on right now. But the clearing protection spray is free. And so uh, we've had little kids, you know, spray their monsters and the monsters go away. Um, one little kid, three-year-old said there was a hole in the ground. That's where the monster came from. We call okay. portal. So it's kind of like a placebo, a placebo effect. Like it's kind of, it does work like a, like a placebo effect. Like well, placebo is a very positive thing. 
Um, and uh, we definitely want to use that more. I don't know why we don't uh, actually do even more research on the placebo effect because it is so important. But uh, the fun thing is that you can say, well, why does it work on dogs? Mm. You know, I mean, mm. yes, they would, on some level, energetically, they may sense you're doing something for the highest risk. Like people used to say, well, acupuncture is a placebo. And I'm like, could be, yeah. But, you know, it works on the dog, it works on the cat, it works on the horse. Horse really doesn't know why you're sticking needles in them except that energetically probably thinks your that love that intention to heal yeah, of course it's there you could say that's a placebo as well but um generally speaking people don't think dogs or horses or have a placebo effect right uh, right so yeah 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 i have another so question I, I say to people whatever works <laughs> whatever works it increase calm increase peace you know increase positive vibration and for people that are narcissists um, or, you know, conflict in the household, we have a chapter in the Sensitivity is Your Superpower book um, called Transformational Telepathy. So that's how to resolve conflict very easily using this telepathic method. It's very, very simple um, and it works really well. It just requires the person to actually commit, you know, to doing that. And it shifts our energy as we do the transformational telepathy and has a great chance of shifting their energy, although we're not attached to that, right? Uh, we, you know, we're not attached to changing the other person, but oftentimes when our energies shift related to that, their response to us automatically changes, which is really cool. That's really cool. Now, um, so another thing that I found very fascinating is like in your, in your practice, um, a lot of these empaths, they they have possibly maybe been like indigos or earth angels or star seeds or you know walk-ins or hybrids and all these other other terms for different experiences prior to this earthly incarnation. Now you say yourself that you are an earth angel, Lemurian and star seed lineage. Can you explain that for people? Yeah, there's actually a um uh a technique, we call it soul typing. Um and um it's not it's not this particular thing isn't in the book because it's a little bit more complex but in soul typing we try to figure out in this incarnation in this body and timeline uh where the soul that you have right now in this body and timeline, where what other experiences has it had now in my case it's very kind of strange because i have multiple souls more than one and um one of the souls uh is angelic so that's where the earth angel comes in earth meaning i'm embodied but i have an angelic soul and, and how did you uh, how did you find out that one? How, oh, we just asked, you know. Just we asked, do okay. Ask, yeah. And the funny thing is, is I had another healer who uh, I met later on, years later, um, as part of a training. Uh, Ruth Rendley has a book called Multiple Souls, and uh, so I hired uh, one of her students to do a reading on me, and it was very interesting because she didn't know me at all and uh, got pretty much the same reading as I did on myself. And uh, the funny thing is, is that the Lemurian uh, lineage, um, I tested that, but I, at the time that I tested it, I, I was like, what the heck is this? I don't even know what a Lemurian is really, but oh. so I asked a, a very, at that point, you know, so I asked my teacher and um, friend, I said, look, I, I'm getting that I was Lemurian in a past life. And she was, yeah. And I was like, you knew? She was, yeah. And, but, you know, but that wasn't my role to tell you. I just, you just needed to discover it for yourself. And I was just blown away, you know, that she already knew. And so in that 
lifetime, um, I was like seven feet tall, but in that lifetime, um, I had a specific job. And one of the healer jobs I had was to spread this or attune people to this healing frequency or healing frequencies. Um, and back then we were doing it through crystal and there was a whole device that I had created and I could see this in my mind. Uh, but Lemuria, at least in that timeline, was destroyed. Uh, before I got to finish my soul mission. So when I incarnated into this body, I had both the Earth Angel and I had Lemurian. Uh, and then I had one other soul type as well. And this Lemurian part of me was like, okay, we're going to finish this in this timeline. And I actually have, I already finished that mission. What so, was the mission? Uh, what was the mission? 96% of people on the planet now are attuned to Topocan healing frequencies, whether or not they know how to use them, but they are tuned to that. So we no longer need crystals. Uh, we no longer need to touch people to attune them. Um, you can, uh, but that took a while. That took a number of years to, to get to that point. But mm. uh, many years ago where I did a global attunement. So there's a few um, small percentage of humans that refused it. Completely okay, because that's their role. That's know? part of their journey. That's the yeah, journey. Part of their, part of their part of the contrast. Um, but I, I would say about 96% of all humans have that capability. So the, so even if you read the book and you start doing some of the Topican healing directives, which are sort right. of like, you know, um, you know, energy healing, you know, commands, if you will, um, they will work because you already are attuned to that frequency. So you just go into stillness and you say the command, the directive, um, and imagine it happening and it works. Uh, so the, the other soul type I have is a light being. Mm-hmm. And this, so we call them star seeds, meaning that they're non-human. Um, so these souls are extremely high vibrational, usually like don't have a body in other timelines. They're just light and love. And there's mm-hmm. many different species and, and many different contingents of them. What um, dimension do they typically um, reside in? Is oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I don't even know because they, um, like some of the, like the ones that are embodied that have a body, I'll often have a lot of run-ins with seventh dimensional uh, aliens mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I used to be one. And um, so some of the bad guys, so to speak, bad guys doing bad things um, would be the seventh dimensionals that is in my role to take care of them, heal them, mm. help the culture because I used to be a seventh dimensional. But there are- all- Got lost many, on the path, huh? Many, many others. So they, you know, we probably came from the same place in some other timeline. But the light being star seeds are very, very high vibe. And in a human body, sometimes they have great difficulty because that high vibe literally burns their nervous system out. So mm-hmm. they're very sick. Uh, they, if they haven't controlled their superpowers early on, they can be very sick, have chronic fatigue, feel like they are being electrocuted. That's what it feels right. like. To, they have horrible burning pain or terrible, terrible neck pain because the, the high vibrational energy is stuck up here in the head and they can't fully ground it. In their right, body. it hasn't gone through the chakras or the aura field. So there's so many different ways. Um, so I do have a number of these as my one-on-one clients because they're very challenging to deal with, but I have very specific protocols to check in on different parts of them, energetic parts, physical parts, and just to see how well the energies are able to ground and integrate so they can function better as a human. Yeah, let me ask you about something. Have you ever come across any clients that are able to maybe not on command and maybe they haven't done it, they're not able to reproduce it, are able to go from one location to another location? By location is what you're talking about? Yep, by um, location. Yeah, Anybody be really- able to activate their internal portals? 
Well, not consciously. Let's put it that way. Okay. Tell um, me a story. There, yeah, there was, uh, there was a time, oh gosh, how many years ago? Three years ago? Something like that. Um, uh, I was working with some clients and uh, they were having some very similar symptoms. I don't even remember what the symptom is. And what I do is I often track things. So because I see you know, thousands and thousands of people work with them in groups and single, so I, I, I know when there's a trend. So when there's a trend, I pay attention. So like that synchronicity, I pay attention. So there was this trend of this number of people having this you know, experience and, and symptoms. And I thought, hmm, I wonder why. So I started doing what I do is I ask questions. I'm like a spiritual investigator, right? So I'm asking like the Sherlock Holmes of you know, spiritual investigating. So I start asking source all these questions. And it's the quality of the questions that I ask where I get you know, quality answers. So I'm asking, okay, what's going on? Da, 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 da. So long story short, what it was was they were inadvertently bilocating. So there was one of them here and one of them elsewhere, sort of like uh, Pio Padre, you know, the, the flying monk, you know, back in you know, World War II, where they were going to bomb his, his town and the, the, you know, the, the bombers would come and then they would see this monk flying in front of their planes, telling them to stop and to go back. And they were freaked out and their bombs would drop harmlessly out of their, <laughs> of their planes <laughs> into the forest. And they would go back and they say, would say to the general, well, we saw this monk. And the general was like, you got to be kidding me, right? He didn't, didn't believe them. And so finally he went himself on the run, right? And sure enough, Pio Padre was there. But they actually went to the town and they were like, okay, how did he do that? And the people were like, well, Pio Padre's been meditating all day long. He's right here. He's, he's you know, right here. <laughs> you know, he's, yeah, right. he's that's, it, it, that's an so, out-of-body experience. It's out of body experience because I don't know. Well, they they call that bilocation, you know, because okay. he was consciously uh, and yes, and it could be the same thing. Well, um, let me clarify because let me clarify um, the question because um, the Monroe Institute does did a lot of studies on out of body experiences where you can go into meditation and get into those high gamma wave frequencies and then literally other people will report that they saw that person at another location while they were not there their, their bodies here so that's kind of an out-of-body experience but what about somebody who like is sitting in their living room close their eyes and all of a sudden they're in their bedroom well i think if the physical body is um, yeah tra teleported or translocated yes. and it, that that's translocation um, I don't know anybody that's done that in this timeline, although it's completely possible. Absolutely. Um, and the other one, uh, I think it's, it depends on how you, uh, the vernacular or the definition, because for me, bilocation means you're in two places at one time. That's the definition right, of bilocation right. to me. And right. Pia Padre was in two places at one time. And if the person, the thing is, is that the people in the plane were not necessarily awakened spiritual people. So why could they see him if they did not have sixth sight, right? right. So that's why we're considering that a bilocation because right. the average person can see them as opposed to most people cannot see your astral body. Right, right. So um, so the question would be with biolocation or what typically is that when somebody is, is uh, meditating and they're going through biolocation or having a out-of-body experience like the Monroe Institute would say, um, and other people would see them in different places, the original person is typically not aware of the other experience of their, another projection of them in another location. 
but in the in the case of teleportation um like like have you seen the the show with the um uh where he's like my he's like he's like a monk and he was on america's got talent and he would do um a chant and get into a certain frequency and then he will pop into another location that's what i'm talking about like physically pop into another location um and some people say he's a magic trick he says he's actually doing it but i have seen have had clients who have come in trying to figure out how did they do that because they did it on accident so i'm not sure if this is a a a budding a budding phenomenon that is happening in the space with people or if it's going to accelerate and more people are going to have this phenomenon but i'm curious if you've had any of those teleportations where people actually learn how to activate their um the portals in the merkaba to actually teleport no a whole body not anyone i know personally um we do know there's some pretty famous people that have worked with the u.s military um, I think uh, Yuri Geller, and there's a whole bunch of other names, but uh, we're well known to teleport pieces or items like a pen, you know, from one location right. to another, and that's been, you know, well documented. Right. So I think it's a gift and talent that we all have the blueprint of, whether or not we manifest in this timeline has to do with our soul mission, uh, you know, whether it's for the highest and greatest good, mm-hmm. um, because it's one thing to go, well, I can bend a spoon, but the thing is, is that really your purpose like you know what I mean? like you know what are you doing that for so we have to be careful about our intention as well as our abilities and that's one of the things that's really important is is like make sure your life is working for you okay there's no point in being really good at teleportation but you can't pay your rent you're deathly ill you know you have horrible relationships with your family right like let's make sure we have our priorities straight Let's make sure that you feel good about you. I feel good about me. We have good self-esteem, right? That we can have our, our, our gifts, our superpowers, you know, healing our bodies. Being in stillness is just a, a very simple way of going into auto-healing. I call it auto-healing. We're things that can heal without you consciously having to understand them will heal themselves. Um, right. and, then, yeah, and then definitely people that are interested, like uh, Caroline Corey, you know, superhuman film, um, you know, she, I love, I love the science that she has on the film, showing the science behind these different abilities, whether it be healing or, or tele, you know, telekinesis at a distance or remote viewing, which is actually quite easy to do. Um, and in the past, you know, they just studied it as part of the military, but now we have an opportunity to really make our lives better and to make the lives of people around us better by harnessing right. Right. as a superpower. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, as we get further into, further into the fifth dimension awareness um, in our consciousness, a lot of people are coming into their six senses and they're going to need training, they're going to need guidance, and they're going to need, um, you know, just like, it's like learning how to function, they're learning how to function with a new ability. It's kind of, almost kind of like if you all of a sudden, when you're growing up in puberty, all of a sudden you shot like a foot in over the summer and now you're just clumsy the next school year. It takes the whole next school year and you're like a basket case, everybody else around you because you're trying not to trip and hurt everybody and hurt yourself. That's kind of what people are doing as they get, come into their six senses, as they work more and more on their inner work and the spiritual development more and more of the six senses will come into play and it will amplify. And so we're all like, um, like teenagers trying to make sense of our 
growing pains, literally, our psychic growing pains. So why, why do you think these high vibe souls are incarnating at this time in, in it seems huge flux? Yeah, it does seem like a lot. Um, there's definitely a lot more children now that are being born that uh, we would put in that highly sensitive um, label, if you will, or camp. Um, and back in the 70s, uh, when um, they came out with the first study related to sensitivity, and this is by Dr. Elaine Aaron, um, she found that about 20% of people were considered highly sensitive. So they had difficulty with uh, noise, bright lights, chemical smells, all sorts of things. And, and she has like a little quiz, you know, in the book that you can do to see if you fit that. And then when I was writing for this book, I wanted the annotation for that study and, and I couldn't remember or know exactly which study it was. So I contacted Dr. Elaine Aaron's people and the study they gave me was the more recent study from 2018. And in that study, it was 30% of people. And what was really interesting, Vaughn, was as I was you know, writing this book and I kept saying 20%, 20% cause that's the study that I knew about from you know, the seventies or however long ago it was. And when I asked God though, I said, okay, no, but really how many percentage of humans now would be highly sensitive? And I would get 30%. And I was like, hmm, the study says 20. Well, I better say 20 because you know, that's what our study says, right? For the book. So then it's so funny that they, when they emailed me back, they said, you know, here's the study and I read it, it's 30%. So basically, I, I, it's funny to say God was right, but you know, <laughs> um, yeah, there are going to be more and more people that, and whether, you know, it's, I, I believe it just is what it is. It doesn't mean it's necessarily good or bad. It just, there are more sensitive people, people who are non-sensitive, like my dad, are becoming more sensitive. And even the way they language and communicate and are empathizing is really different. And all I can say is, we could definitely use that in this world, right? Because we have not been very good at taking care of our planet, uh, taking care of each other. And the more and more empathetic we can be as a species, the, the higher likelihood we're not only just gonna survive the next several you know, decades, but also to thrive in a sustainable, human, peaceful society. Right, right. And the Topakan healing method, which I think you also touch on that in your newest book that's coming out on December 10th, Sensitivity is Your Superpower. I mean, can you give like just a, like a one, what's a, a brief description of what it is? Like what is some of the basic things of what it is? Yeah, so the Topakan healing method it has three main steps. The number one step is the align step. The align step is actually fairly simple. It's the Stoan method or however other people can do it. It doesn't really matter. As long as you're connected in that space with source, I call it zero point as well, then that's already step one. Now, step two is the ask. So we've got align and then we've got ask. Ask is really asking the quality questions of, you know, to get the answers you need to, you know, get to the next stage, whether it's, is there entities, is there not? And we actually have, you know, multiple guides. Um, there's three of these. Um, actually four for the practitioners, but the three guides basically have the answers on them. So we just use muscle testing in that space of alignment to get to see what needs to heal right now, what's available to heal. And then number three, so we got a a align, ask, number three is activate. Well, guess what? Those tropical healing frequencies already are resonant within us. So all we need to do is bring them out and use our attention to activate those energies to do the healing. So that's why it's so fast and so quick, but you also get lots of information of what you need to heal if you um, 
actually consciously have to know what it is. So that's really it in a nutshell, those three steps. Wonderful. Thank you for, thank you for clarifying that because people are like, Topakin, is that like an, a, a new Japanese <laughs> philosophy? But uh, thank you for clarifying that. So, and that's, that's, I think that's in like both books too. Um, but then also, you know, the one thing that p people are going to ask, okay, so the newest book, Sensitivity is Your Superpower, it really focuses on empaths. Um, what if somebody who is spiritually awakening or, or they're working on their awakening process or they're working on, you know, the inner work, um, all, all of the above, and they're leveling up their energy, would, once they do that, would that make them also intuitive empath? Or, you know, how can everybody else who's not naturally an empath benefit from it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, although, you know, people that are naturally sensitive, like empaths, um, and, you know, the, the people, the soul types we talked about before, the earth angels, the indigos, you know, the, the, the hybrids, you know, they tend to be in that sensitive camp. Um, and so they already have those natural abilities. They're just out of control <laughs> for most of them. Uh, so they have to kind of rein them in. For everyone else who may not identify with being an empath, um, if they're on the spiritual journey and if they have the interest to really evolve themselves, that's all that's needed is that desire. Uh, and then when you tune in to, you know, what we talk about in the book, whether it be, you know, influencing the weather, we've moved many hurricanes, actually we're working on right, one right now. So we've moved many hurricanes, um, you know, whether it be travel magic, whether it be figuring out your, you know, your soul mission, we have a chapter called the soul mission matrix. You can figure out um, your soul mission, your foundational soul mission, um, how to do intuitive impressioning to feel into future reality. So these are just skills. Anybody can, if they have the desire to learn them, can learn them. Uh, because we all have, really in reality, we all have those sensitivity superpowers. It's just a matter of us tuning in to them and uh, training them and using them. So uh, whether, I, although, the, you know, we talk about sensitivity as your superpower, meaning sensitive souls can really get a, a lot out of this book um, because for them, it's like life or death almost to, for, for them to, to survive and thrive. But for everyone right. else, it's not in that horrible, you know, anxious, depressed, you know, autoimmune state. Um, they can actually run with it because there's so many really cool things that you can do uh, in your everyday life, transformational telepathy to, to make your life better and to help those around you as well. Right, right. It's all about just having the, the most pleasant and creating the most pleasant reality for yourself. Um, now, you, you've, you've, you've mentioned a couple of different things throughout, throughout and you, you, you dropped the word timelines and realities and you have multiple souls. So I'm going to ask the question, have you, what is your perspective on um, multiple parallel realities? Yeah, this is the one uh, area where Topican healing really differs from a lot of the other healing methods. And the only reason it does is because of that of necessity. So I'm very good at asking questions and asking source questions. So that's why I call myself the spiritual investigator. And um, some of these are the answers. Now, the answers are very odd to me because I really didn't understand any of it really. Uh, but usually there's some synchronicity that comes about um, after I make some sort of discovery. So for example, whether it be, you know, alternate selves, um, there is something I call alternate self syndrome. I actually wrote that in one of my other number one bestsellers called Evolutionary Healer. And so that was all about how our alternate timelines 
is whatever happens in that timeline, some people can actually feel it in their physical bodies. And sometimes it can be really uncomfortable. And so there's a way in which you can both um, heal multiple timelines at once, which is really cool. We get to do that more and more now, faster and faster, but also decrease or dial down the symptoms related to that timeline so it doesn't interfere with the enjoyment of this timeline's life. So definitely, uh, we deal a lot with multiple timelines. In really? Oh, yeah. That's really oh, fast. Thanks. That's really fascinating. I mean, because I mean, the, the, some people think that um, in this in this spiritual space that there's only one universe, there's only one self, and that's that's it. Everybody's there's one self, there's one universe. That's it. There's no yeah, other. Well, you know, quantum physicists already there's articles like right in there, like Google. It says you know uh, multiple universes right. proven. You know? Right, right, so right. Like there's the, science backing it. Even though oh yeah, it yeah. Like know that ahead of time. Exactly, and and so the other thing is, and then there's there's people like myself who um, I wrote books about this as well, who've experienced shifting from different realities, and um, it may be different versions of myself. It may be the one version of myself shifting to different realities. That part I leave open to the the universe to figure out but my consciousness is shifting from one reality to another and I know this because there are changes in my reality where the house um, has different shrubbery than I has seen it yesterday or the dog is a different color than I remember it yesterday or you know those kind of things that's what people call personal Mandela effects do you get clients that come into this trying to figure out how to navigate their reality more smoothly uh, or how to deal with these changes in their reality what is your experience with that type of of case well I don't have a case of somebody that said that their shrubbery changed or their dog color changed Although I do have some people, quite a few actually, I deal with a lot of people who are starseeds um, that actually are um, their physical bodies trying to manifest their starseed self from the other timeline. So even and what are the aspects that they're trying to manifest? Are they trying to be blue all of a sudden? <laughs> well, it's like uh, multiple cases, including myself, um, trying to be a seven foot, 240 pound Lemurian. So the, and what we figured out was that there is a template or, or a blueprint for the, the size and shape of the physical body. And that as the ascension process was occurring, multiples of these blueprints were kind of layered upon each other. And um, it's like the body was just kind of picking one. <laughs> so what was happening with me is I was swelling and I was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I gained like 30 pounds in three years without changing diet or exercise or anything like that. And I, but I knew it was swollen. And so it started coming up, even up here in the neck. And, you know, I had to buy bigger clothes and it was crazy. And of course my husband at the time was like, you just need to exercise more, right? And I'm like, it's not it, honey. <laughs> you know? um, and what I found out was that I had this blueprint that was predominant in my field of trying to make my body seven foot tall, 240 pounds, but I couldn't, it's harder to make a, a full grown human skeleton taller, right? right? So the easiest way is to go this way, sideways. Actually, she's a, sorry, uh, she's a, a practitioner uh, in my training, um, my Topican level two uh, certified practitioner program, where she actually saw that she had multiple of these blueprints that were not appropriate for her human body. So we taught her how to erase those or at least make them non-dominant. 
so that the human one would be dominant. And then she literally said she, she just released all this weight. She's like, I am so happy. <laughs> she just kind of just kind of fell off of her uh, because she now has the right blueprint. So that's, you know, the, the personal experience that I've had related to that. But I know that I have jumped multiple timelines. I call them quantum jumping. Yeah. Um, based on what was, I was sure this was going to happen. And then this didn't happen. Yeah. Or, you know, you could imagine like, you know, in one uh, timeline, you have a certain president that's elected in another timeline, a different president elected. Um, there's one timeline where Jesus died on the cross and another timeline where Jesus did not die on the cross. And I'm like, what? You know? Um, yeah, these things exist. And we are jumping, or as a humanity as a whole, um, are almost complete in our jumping, at least for my, maybe, you know, I could be wrong, but uh, quantum jumping into the new reality where we do have sustainable peace um, and we yeah. can survive, uh, you know, our own, you know, uh, negative things that humanity has done all these centuries. So instead of going through- So it will, yeah, sim- it will, it will settle. So you're saying it's going to settle. Well, we, I mean, those of us that are in this space are working it, right? <laughs> you know, work in our consciousness and just keep evolving, keep evolving. But at least from my tally, we're about 98% there. The thing Mm. is, it's hard to see it in the outside world yet because we're only inundated with what the media at this time wants us to see. Um, So you just have to be in that space, just like weather magic is trusting that that sun is going to come on Christmas uh, when everyone else tells you it's going to be a tornado. Right, you know, right. Up until the minute that it happens, you just stay the course. And right. uh, that's what we're being taught and um, trained in right now. Right. Oh, I've been in realities where we have a different president than the one that we're letting go of. So, um, but yeah, and I've had clients who have come in for hypnosis with completely different histories than what they're seeing right now. So and that's why I asked that question about timelines. But um, I've, I've also for myself and for some of my other clients have a knowing of different timelines in different dimensions and different realities as well of myself. Like, you know, like the idea of reincarnation, but let's say in one, we're in this aspect of your, your persona, but you also have, uh, because it's all existing at the same time, all of it, all the reincarnations aspects of yourself existing at the same time. But some people, some people, or, or even the reincarnation into different dimensions too. Anyways, it's all happening at the same time in um, consciousness, but some people have active recall of every single point of their incarnations at the same time. And so, um, and I've had that experience as well, where I know what's going on. I'm like, oh, you sure that one will look really good on you. Try that one. <laughs> and then try to consult myself. But have you ever had that experience where you kind of are getting another voice of yourself from a different timeline or a different, you know, experience, incarnation, giving you advice on things? Uh, Well, I mean, sometimes people say that is a purposeful uh, thing. You're, if you Mm -hmm. like Don Clark, for example, you're, you're kind of like the higher version of you in the future uh, coming back to give you advice, right? Right, right. Consciously, like, like stop um, crying over that boyfriend. <laughs> Move on. The next one's so much better. <laughs> well, you know, um, I had a woman who, and I talk about her um, in the Evolutionary Healer book. Um, it, it wasn't a, an actual client of mine, although the the family did um, ask me to tune in to see what was going on. They thought she was having dementia, 
because she kept seeing other versions of herself and her husband uh, in the home of the home mm. and people were dressed in all sorts of interesting get-ups. Um, some looked like they were from the Hunger Games. Uh, other looked like Little House on the Prairie. And she was <laughs> describing all these in great, great detail. They thought she was going nuts, right? Well, you know, they gave her the, uh, uh, um, the, uh, the medications uh, for dementia. Now, people that have dementia do not see that, okay? <laughs> but they don't know what to do with her. So uh, I think she did take the medications. She didn't like them very much. But when I tuned in, I, I was fully open to the possibility, yeah, she may have a, a medical reason, you know, a lesion, a tumor, or something causing this. Um, but I couldn't find it, at least in my testing. But what I did notice was everything she was seeing was real. But what she was seeing was multiple timelines, multiple universes simultaneously. So that's why there were multiples of her husband superimposed onto the same man that's in front of her. Yeah. And, and she would sometimes say, get else, right? Yeah, because yeah. He didn't look exactly the same as he does in this timeline. So it was really hard on families. And unfortunately, I didn't get to work with her one-on-one, -on -one, but um, she was just very, very gifted. Yeah. So I, I think the family, she's really gifted. She just yeah. didn't handle all that. Yeah, I think like my personal um, experience with different clients and with my own experiences as well um, is that we, as we get further into the fifth dimensional awareness and further into the higher dimensions of earth and our six senses come in. We, I think as a humanity, we have barely scratched the surface of the breadth of six senses that we have. I think we barely, we don't even, we, we're like barely scratched the surface and there's so much more um, that we have no clue of. And I think people who have recall of parallel existences at the same time because all existing at the same time is another sixth sense maybe it's a tool like all the six senses it could be a tool to kind of help you guide your life like if i chose this what would be the option and then you would see it on like oh okay i would choose this instead or whatever or how do i transition this so um that's fascinating that you've seen some of those as well in your work because um it has come up and I think it's a new sixth sense that I'm, I'm noticing as a recurring thing as well. Um, now I have one last question right now. We're kind of, you know, it really depends on who you talk to. Some people say it's turbulent time. Some people they say, ah, it's great. Everything's great. I don't know what's wrong, but how can, what are some quick tips from your new book that people can use to heal past childhood traumas or even adult traumas? in order to manifest the most enjoyable present reality for themselves. Quick, quick mm -hmm. tips. And these are tips that they can use right now, even if they don't have any past dense issues to resolve, just to kind of get over um, things that are kind of bugging them. Well, the great thing about the ascension process is our attention is really fueling the speed of the healing. So whatever we put our attention to, it's much, much faster than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So being in that stillness space, we can make the intention as we go into that stillness space. Um, of course, I use this uh, stoem, stillness through observing internal movement. You can bring whatever that is into that space and feel your body. And it's a natural uh, auto, automatic healing space. Even if you don't become a professional healer or learn to begin healing, just uh, being in that auto healing state of stillness is loads. Now in the book, we actually give you two other levels of that. 
number one, this first other level is taking negative situations and things that bother you, whether it be anger, sadness, guilt, whatever that is, or a problem that you have, bringing that into that zero point stillness space and to help that transmute and transform. Um, that's one of the skill sets. And the other uh, is, the second one is stone for masterful manifesting. So there's a whole chapter on that, on how to um, embody your future reality in the now and bring that reality closer, closer, if you will, to you. Um, and I just taught, you know, the a parents of a, of a six-year-old, you know, to do that. Um, so kids can do that too. And uh, so those are just really, really simple things that a person can do is be able to be in stillness, bring the negative energy, whatever it is that you're dealing with in stillness and just let it be there and feel your body, be here. And then if you have a future reality that you love, you know, bring it on, like imagine it with all your senses, what that future reality looks like. That's how I won multiple gold medals in adult figure skating is by already having won it all right, in my body before I actually want it in real life. And then bringing that in the stillness and that's basically you're seeding the quantum realm with that future reality. Wonderful, wonderful. That's really, really good. Yeah, you got to feel it and see it and then the the reality will, will is malleable yeah. and it will change to... And your nervous system is the one that's the interface between the different quantum realms. So, you know, you might have asked before, like, well, if somebody's high vibe, like, you know, like they don't have to worry about protection and shields or boundaries and entities because people, you know, entities will naturally heal, you know, in their space for sure. The thing is, is if somebody is 100% conscious all the time, they don't need a shield. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, but it's a process, but I get it. It's a process of getting there. Who is 100% conscious all the time. Right, right, right. Um, in, in the book, we talk about how if you can be connected to that zero point, nine to 10% of your waking time, you got it made. Oh my gosh, magic is happening. Like stuff is just automatically manifesting for you. And even the increments between 0.2% versus 2%, 4%, 6%, 8%, 9%, 10%, those are quantum jumps, not little jumps, quantum jumps in reality. So the more we can just tune into that stillness. I call it stillness on the fly because I literally do it for seconds at a time. Like I can do it now, even though I'm talking to you. Right. <laughs> that it will absolutely transform people's lives. Right. That's one wonderful information. Well, Dr. Karen, this has been such a pleasant interview. I love the topics. Um, so thank you for gifting us with your presence. And for everybody else, if you want to go into Dr. Karen's, she has a lot of offerings on her website, which is Karen Can, K-A-N, um, dot com. And she has webinars, she has online courses, she has all her books, and I'm sure she's going to come out with um, many more um, new things. So, you know, tune in and um, enjoy the offerings. Lots there for you for empaths and also non-empaths alike. Um, and also in the show description, I'm, I'm going to put the, um, the excerpt from her newest book um, that you can download. Just click on it and it will go to that page with of the excerpt and all the information about um, her newest book as well, which launches on December 10th, right before Christmas. So if you have that empath in your family or somebody who's really interested in some of these um, tools to kind of help them with the things that they're working with that we've been discussing, 
um, go ahead and get that book. It's a really great read. So um, again, for the podcast listeners, thank you kindly for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Vaughn. Thanks, everyone. Oh, you're welcome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.